We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. John Tetsch! What's a strike? There is quite literally no feeling in the world than the feeling when someone you love gets you exactly what you wanted for your birthday. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. It is our fifth birthday. It's the five-year anniversary of the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast, and Arsenal, our beloved Arsenal, got us exactly what we wanted, and that is the end of the Unai Emery era. We will get into whether it is appropriate to feel sad or not. I will tell you I do not, which will come as a shock to no one. Um, We will talk about Freddie, about Freddie taking charge, the sexiest Arsenal manager, you decide. Uh, We will talk about who may take charge after that, and maybe go over a little bit of how this went down and what it makes us think about the people in charge above the head coach calling in manager, not really apropos. But first, a few things. One, we're going to give away a shirt. Two, we're going to give away a year of Patreon. And three, we're going to give away a year of The Athletic, all to celebrate our birthday. The information about these giveaways will be coming up on our website and posted on social media and in future pods. It's not quite ready yet, largely because I have to work. Uh, But that will be out soon. We have the full boat waiting in the wings. We did put up a Patreon instant reaction to the sacking pod uh, with me and Scott. So you can check that out. And so here's the one thing I want to mention. If you do want to sign up for The Athletic, and look, candidly, I know for some people you're like, not interested, don't want it. But hey, some of the coverage they've done has been really good. They write some really good stuff. And some of the stuff around Emory this week has been really well reported. Of course, David Ornstein, you know, think what you want about some of the stories. He broke this news and he has been all over it. And some of his behind the scenes stuff on it is great. So if you've been thinking about signing up, we can make it fun for you. Okay? We want to get Clive to have to sing a Christmas song. I think we all agree on that. But you can make any of us sing a Christmas song. Tim, Paul, Clive, or me. And all you have to do is sign up for The Athletic at 50% off, all right, and a month free. 
by going to theathletic.com forward slash Yankee Gunner, if you want to hear me sing. Theathletic.com forward slash Stilberto, if you want to hear Tim sing. Theathletic.com forward slash Clive P-A-F-C, if you want to hear Clive sing. Or theathletic.com forward slash Paul AFC, because they would not use Posden in my pants, uh, which I think is quite hilarious and understandable. So we're going to tally that up on Christmas, and we're going to come up with a Christmas carol sung by, or a Christmas song. Uh, it can really be, you know, we'll, we'll come up with something fun. Uh, All I Want for Christmas is You is my vote. Clive singing All I Want for Christmas is You uh, would be fantastic. But that's all coming up later. We're going to have some fun with this. Paul's on Twitter, pause in my pants, hello, pause. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter, Clive B-A-F-C, hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Tim's on Twitter, at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Tim, I'm going to start with you because the most important question is the navel-gazing question. And so I must yeah. ask you, how are you feeling about giving up your Norwich ticket now, buddy? <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've got FOMO now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I wasn't at Arsene Wenger's first game in charge, to be fair, because I wasn't going to away games at that point. So it's not, you know, <clears throat> I have missed. For, uh, manager's uh, first games should, before, should, we, should but... we call you plastic or no? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i mean I, I did it like i made that decision like shortly after the leicester game when it was all well we're just gonna like hang on to him and give him like another six years or whatever to turn it around and uh yeah there's there's engineering works on the train lines and it's another sunday away game and and like yeah the the arsenal women are actually like trying to win the league and trying to do good stuff and trying to play good football so um i took that choice i make my bed i lie on it um yeah simple as that i probably what i deserve you know fair enough yeah <clears throat> i love that you leaned into being a miserable bastard finally at the exact wrong time <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. it's wonderful yeah, yeah, yeah. um but but i mean look we don't know what this will mean for our season. I think it will mean renewed interest at a minimum. And we know it's not going to be Freddie long-term, or at least we presume it won't be. I, I don't think it would be. But he's an easy figure to get behind, an, an invincible. And, I, I mean, look, nostalgia aside, at least having a likable guy with the fibers of the club running through him, I think um, that's a weird turn of phrase, but let's move on. I, I think it's a nice thing. Paul, I, I want to ask you something just really quickly. I got really excited about this news at first, and then a little sadness washed over me, as it is wont to do, because I felt... We missed the window for this to really save the season, at least domestically. It, it does feel to me that this is unfortunately too little too late in terms of the Premier League. But I'm curious to get your take on what you think is reasonable to expect now vis-a-vis -vis the rest of our season under Freddie and then whoever gets appointed beyond him. Mm -hmm. So just on that, you were talking about leading and lagging indicators the last time we were that on correct, here. Yes. and. There was a mailbag question around, you know, don't don't they, Raul and Co, see what we see, and of course they do. They were a they were a leading, uh, a leading source. Uh, I, I think they were very much a trailing indicator, though, when it comes trailing to trailing indicator. Yeah. <laughs> they were the last to leave, but yeah. they must have been the first to know, um, mm. the, you know. And Freddie must have been such a conduit for it. Because, you know, he's basically an outsider in their camp, um, clued into all these younger fellows who were kind of effectively outsiders and not necessarily Emery's kind of his uh, his camp uh, philosophically or footballistically. So I just I mean, it's just there's so much to talk about in there. I woke up to mm. this late. 
I yeah. woke up at like I, I do have to tell you, as someone Christmas. who got off work yesterday at 1 in the morning and was back at work at 6 a.m. this morning, when you WhatsApped us at 11.15 a.m. saying, I've just woken up and missed all the news, uh, I, I did not take that in stride. So I just want you to know that. Clive, I mean, I, I know you're never going to lean into the sadness angle, but I am curious. I mean, let's just talk about the league for a second. I, I feel that we've waited too long to rescue this, but... What is the likelihood in your mind that a top four challenge could still be made from this? Or is the combination of some of the challenges in the squad and our position and not really having a permanent coach yet too much to overcome? Uh, I don't think anyone can answer that categorically. I think I do think Emmy's had a number of challenges on the playing side. And I do feel as a club, we've made so many bad player recruitment decisions that I think, regardless of who's in charge, I think it would be more of a challenge. I came into the season feeling if we just a little bit better than last year, we'll be okay, given to where um, you know where we thought Spurs were heading and where Chelsea we thought they were heading and where we thought Man United were heading. We're thinking, you know what, we could get third here quite easily because we're in better shape, we continue. But we didn't. We stopped. And that's how we all felt we, just a little while ago. We stopped. We didn't feel that way quite quickly. So I'm not sure. I, there's a. We all know everything's imploded on the major side. We all know that's potentially highlighted some things in the leadership that we're not quite sure with. But we also, at some point, going to look at the talents of the players. Now they are supposedly going to be motivated because when you quit on a coach then you best start running around for the next one because the light will shine on you very, very quickly. So that reaction and how we play, what style we sort of fall into, the energy we show, I think that question it would be a lot easier to answer in maybe three, four weeks. I don't count it out, but I can never say for definite that we're still in the race because at the moment our curve is downward. It's not upward, is it? It's downward. And I think The third and fourth teams, unfortunately, look like they've got their act together and this is the problem. Yeah, at least at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I would argue that, um, you know, you look at Chelsea, for example, maybe Tammy Abraham with a hip injury. I don't know if he's going to play this weekend or not. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen, but like... It's not too bad. It's not too bad. No, it's not serious, oh. but... Oh, gosh, Paul, come on. <laughs> but, you know, but, Car- but, karma, but, but, man. On, think on, about the karma. <laughs> things, things do change very, very quickly. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool suffered an injury this week, which I didn't suspect. Mm-hmm. You know, Chelsea, uh, you know... Chelsea only need a couple of injuries, and they're in. The, you know, they they look very open. I mean, they're they're a bigger basketball team than us, right? They're just a mm-hmm. bit sharper and quicker, and got a bit more togetherness ongoing. So it doesn't take much to change the dial, but we don't know what our dial even looks like like at the moment. So it's too early to answer. We are a post match pod, and I I do want to at least touch on this, Tim. I mean, first of all, we provided a hell of a hold my beer to United after they lost to Astana. <laughs> I mean, I was all queued up with a Schadenfreude pod, and and then uh, we we pulled a we pulled a power hold my beer move. But I'm curious if you think that this this. Frankfurt game was really the crowning Emery accomplishment in a microcosm of his entire period. A selection that had people scratching their heads. Yet another tactical setup. A a proto back three four hybrid with David Luiz moving into midfield. Aubameyang starting in the Europa League, flanked by kids. No room for Pepe. Head scratching substitutions. I joked on Twitter that you're down two one at home to Frankfurt. Do you bring on Torreira or Pepe to to save the game? Should have been an interview question for uh, yeah. for Emery. I mean, was this game to you sort of the <clears throat> ultimate denouement or or you know uh, summary of the Emery era I- I- encapsulated in ninety minutes? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, th- I think what he's been doing for a little while now is like a tactical version of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, just like doing stuff and hoping it works. Ultimately, where where I think he's really gone wrong, I think he's gone wrong in quite a lot of, lot of ways, to be honest, but where I think he's really gone wrong, and I know Clive's made reference to this many times in terms of overcomplicating things, he's just asked too many players to do too many things that they're not comfortable with. I, th- I think you can get away with one or two players in your team maybe asking them to do a role that's not their favourite um, for the good of the team and the good of the shape or if it fits the shape that you're playing I think you can say do you know what you know like Ramsey on the right for example you go <clears throat> I know that's not the role you want to play but actually in this system it really works and you're pretty much the only square peg in the round hole. well it's not it's not really a square peg in a round hole if it works for everybody but you know it's like you're the only one I'm really going to ask to make that sacrifice sorry about that but it really works you can get away with that with one maybe two players but you know by the end like Aubameyang spent more time on the touchline in this game than he did up front Torreira came on again <laughs> and was basically asked to play number 10 again Aubameyang um, was even dropping deep wasn't he yeah 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 and he's been doing that a lot lately and actually like I said on the post Southampton pod he had he had a big part in the build-up of both Lacazette's goals which which you wouldn't expect really but like particularly the first goal where he's involved in the build-up on the halfway line then like quickly scurrying into the box and trying to play two positions at once and you know Louise in midfield and then bringing Granit Xhaka back in and again this is another thing where He's tried to do without a player for quote unquote disciplinary reasons and just not been able to see it through and gone back to them. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's not as simple. I'm sorry to, uh, I just can't sure. resist. It's not as simple as to say the players quit on Emery mm. or they stop trying or whatever. You, you can see what, I mean, obviously the lost belief and there are times in the game where like we start to slow down, but I think it's all about belief. I mean, yeah. fuck, they tried. I mean, yeah, Aubameyang, yeah. maybe maybe it's the cop- captain's badge, but I would say all season long he's done, he's run his fucking legs off no matter how incoherent we were. I don't think it was a down to, I think it was a loss in belief. I think the players can, you know, John Cross yesterday says the players have to look at themselves. I fucking don't think they do. I think. No, no, same. Yeah. Yeah, That's same. It. And and I think, I, I again, like maybe I'm just like, um, kind of projecting what I think onto the players, but it, I think they just look confused. Yeah. And I think they've finally kind of checked out and just kind of given up on the idea that the manager's ever going to settle on anything. You know, I think for a while yeah. you think, okay, maybe he's just trying this and maybe this will work. But after a while, when you keep on, like if you keep just lifting the bonnet and looking at the engine and touching things, you yeah. know, sooner or later, someone looking at you goes, you don't know how to fix this, do you? You're, you're just like you're just staring at the engine. I may or may not. I may or may tried. not have done that at some point. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah it, it, you know, it like, might start to grind after seventy minutes. But every game they've tried his wacky yeah. formula. They've run around. They've run their legs off, and 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 yes, in the last few games you start to see it kind of. After about seventy minutes, they're like, "This is this is fucking stupid." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll give you another analogy. Like, I I was um, at work. I was like setting up a training course for someone the other day, and like they booked this completely inadequate room for them that didn't have enough chairs, and there were no other chairs around. And you know, when you just do that thing where you just keep looking for chairs, even though you know <laughs> they're not there, it's like, 
I'll just go and have another look at the places <laughs> I've just had a look, and I know full well there's nothing there. <laughs> but yeah. I don't want to just stand here and say to you, um, sorry, this is it. I just want to give the appearance that I'm trying to do something for you, even though it's useless. That's that's kind of how it's felt for a little while now. Tim, before I move on to, to Clive, I just want to ask you real quick, is it the most empty you've ever seen the Emirates for a competitive fixture? I, I think so. The bar, I'd be interested to see the numbers. The Barté Borisov game, I think the North Bank was more full than for the Barté Borisov game, but the fact that there were, well, I say no away fans, there, there were quite a lot of away fans, but just not in the away section. Like the clock end was really empty. I, I, I think this might be the most empty I've ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, I'm inclined to think that that is as big a factor as the loss. Although, obviously, I, f I feel this decision was probably taken before this, or at least I'd, I'd like to think so. Clive, we'll finish on this game, because I don't think the game merits a lot of discussion, because the, the key is what happened after the game. But as far as watching him sort of drown before all our eyes, which is a little difficult to watch, I, I just think the, the substitution at the end, the Torreira instead of Pepe thing, I, I couldn't understand it. I mean, do you think you get to a point where you are so you are so lost for solutions that even the things that would have been easy and natural to you by the end, you can't get those right because you you've just I always think of the, the line in Top Gun, uh, he's holding on too tight, he's lost the edge. You know, I, it feels a little like that with Emery. For you, was was this game as I asked it, Tim the the sort of uh, crowning moment in, in Emery's tenure in terms of some of the errors he made, the basic errors he made? Yeah, not, well, errors, right? So and errors come from a position where you're making decisions from a position of weakness. So if you're not strong in your decisioning, then people don't believe in your decisioning and you're, you're reaching, your, your perspective goes, your confidence goes. Any of us have lost confidence in any phase in our lives, working lives or educational lives or just general lives. Decisions that seem simple to everybody else are not simple to you. Right? It's as simple as that. It's obvious that he was struggling with, with decisioning. He was trying, in my opinion, to please too many people. I think he tried to please too many of the players. I think he tried to please the feedback he was getting in the, from the fans and the media. And I think he lost his strength. I think the authoritarian that I saw at the start of his reign, the high-energy guy that had everyone on side, I think he just died in Baku. I, I, I firmly believe that. I think there was a slight dead cat bounce, but not really, because it didn't matter what, what I felt or what anyone else felt from a fan perspective. It was obvious that the players were seriously questioning him over the summer, and that Koscielny captaincy thing was really a, a bigger sign than, probably had, than I realised at the time. And so the, the guy just lost his way. And I, I keep referring back to the Amy article about searching for keys to, to unlock this group. I think that's part of it. But in the end, I felt he he lost confidence. And his way to restore himself, to restore his uh, self-confidence and his own structures in his work is to work harder and do more things, to say more things, to make more changes because he's working hard, he's analysing. And that's the last thing that we needed. What we needed was calm, serenity, simplicity. And once that serenity was gone, you heard me mention that word a few weeks ago, I, was, I, I felt that was there was trouble coming because he needs that serenity to, from which to perform. And without it, I think he struggles in a almost unstructured environment that relies on him to bring calmness. That's just not him. So yeah. um, 
that was it. End of story. Paul, let me ask you a meta question just real quick. There is a discussion, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because this is some sort of navel-gazing meta fandom nonsense that nobody cares about, but... So I'll ask you. Um, uh, <laughs> that's a good lead-in. This is your question, Paul. You run with it. Um, Nobody cares about the answer, Paul, so no, feel free. No, no. Just hit, hit the fast-forward button three times. It'll be done. Um, you know, there was the, this thing about feeling sorry for Emery and, oh, you know, I feel sorry for him. And there, I've seen some debates on Twitter and in the Discord on Patreon, you know, about should you feel sorry for him. It's a you know, sad, sad situation. Playing the hits. Um, yeah, I mean... Where do you fall on this whole feeling sorry versus, you know, I, I, I saw Tim, uh, Unai penned a letter thanking the Arsenal fans, and, and I retweeted Tim's comments where he's like, I, I feel bad for calling him bummery or whatever you tweeted. <laughs> I mean, where do you come down on the whole, like, now feeling kind of bad or shameful or sorry for what he's going through? Well, we're a complex bunch. Everybody's in this Arsenal thing for a, a different reason, and... Some are really connected to people, to the players, to the manager, you know, so it's it, everybody's different. And uh, I certainly feel a lot of sympathy for the guy and I feel bad for the guy on the one hand. On other times, though, I'll, I'll have read a story about dumb shit he's just done. I, I think we should sack every manager after six months see what stories come out because that's when you hear and the then rehire shit. them if there's no bad ones <laughs> yeah then rehire them if the stories don't seem so bad you know and, i'll tell you what they've been storing up a load of shit because it was like a dump truck dumped uh some back yeah. backroom nonsense today yeah they called it on the half volley with the and here's some other weird shit now on the other hand i think we should take it a little bit with a pinch of salt in the sense that there's a lot of survivor bias here. You sack Pep because he was shit. You'd hear some weird stories of him putting the travel agent up to to give a briefing. Yeah, yeah it only seems go. like weird shit if you were a failure. If you're a success, then it's then you're yeah, just it uh, work. yeah, then you're just esoteric or you know, oh, that's so inspiring. You had the travel, you know, everybody in the you know if nothing succeeds like success. Um, what was the original question? Oh, should you feel sorry? You can't. So the thing is, people say, oh well. You know, it hurts him, but it also hurts the fans. And and that's true. But there's this utilitarian thing where one person's pain versus everybody else's pleasure. And you do a mathematical formula and you say, well, there's more people hurting a little bit than one guy. Now, a lot of people are hurting a lot. The thing about the manager, though, is he's the fucking guy the camera's on where you see every, you know, you see him kicking the ball. You see the face. You pull, see him pulling at his at his throat. And a lot of people who still have so, some humanity left in them, uh, Elliot, can't I'm help. I'm sorry, I, I don't identify with your statement. <laughs> so you have there's an asymmetry. You're going to see, you know, who has to stand in front of the cameras at the end of the game to explain another woges performance. Um, that's all of his own making. You know, it's just you see a guy fucking stewing in his own juices for. What, whatever it's been now, four to six weeks, and it's a special kind of misery. And yes, I know he's paid X million, and he'll get X million, and he'll be fine. In when he, he'll look back in this and uh, and think we, it was a mercy killing, but and why didn't they do it to me a month earlier? But right now, in this moment, it's shitty. And if you and if you spend any time looking at it as a human being, you can't help if you have any empathy left in you. 
responding to the shit he's gone through. Mm. Doesn't change anything, though. Mm. Um, you know, in my life, I don't know who else has had the pleasure of having to let people go in their company. I've had to let a number of people go. And once you make the decision based on the numbers or whatever, it is what it is. You, you settle in, you make your decision and you have to do it. And yes, it's very unpleasant, but that then becomes their problem. And uh, it's, you know, it is what he signed up for. It doesn't it doesn't mean you can't have a human emotion on it. But it, again, it dis, it depends on where your eyeballs are at. If you if you spend your time reading this, which stories do you read and which ones do you spend your time on? Depends on how much sympathy ha- you have for the man. So I've loads of sympathy for the guy. But, uh, you know. He'll come around. He'll move on to a new gig. It'll be a it'll be a growth opportunity for him. Yes, there's a whole bank account mm. thing, but that doesn't make that doesn't stop you being human. So now let me tell you why I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I never pegged you, Paul, of all the people on the pod for being the man, the one who fires people, the one who, the one who ruins Christmas. Do you do it the day before Christmas or the day the day after New Year's? Well, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's the thing: I I don't disagree with what you've said except for this point, right? Like the people you've had to let go probably had to worry about things like, how will I make the next mortgage payment? How will I pay for my kids to go to college? Not to make you feel worse. Um, like, Unai Emery took a job in Paris, France. Great place to live. Managing a big club, working with the best players for a fabulous amount of money. Got fired, got paid, got to take over a big club in a big city, making fabulous amounts of money. And by losing that job, he will now get paid a huge amount of money, an amount of money that is larger than most people listening will make in their life combined to go swim in the Mediterranean and get over it. He will not have to worry how to make his mortgage payment. He'll not have to worry how to pay for his kids to go to school and things like that. Um, yeah, you'll be now, fine. And by the way, you'll that's not my, my only point. My other point is this. This is a man who got to raise the Europa League trophy and get showered with champagne three separate occasions. It's yeah. a job where if you're willing to take the champagne bath and hoist the trophy, you got to be willing to go through this too. This is just the other side of that coin. So if you're going to be in this job when, when it's great, you know, you're, you're celebrating. And when it's not, this is part of it. So I, I do think, you know, these guys, these guys are in this kind of business. A results-based business is the kind that can, you know, bring you huge success and financial reward and happiness. And it can also have low lows. And that's where it is. So though I don't think that's a million miles from what I said. No, and not. what I would say is when you're watching a guy in pain, he's in pain. You know those studies of students who are willing to torture other students who yes. weren't actually mm-hmm. being tortured uh, and psychologists saying, well, how could a person, you know, basically while the guy's suffering, I can't help but feel bad. Now, that, he's suffering way, that's right fair. now. I just, is he suffering? In, in a like, week's is, time. Is being embarrassed or being disappointed by your performance? Is that suffering? I guess that would be the thing. When you like, see him on that sideline, <laughs> we're you know all suffering. Guy. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we are. But but actually, you're at home on your sofa. You got a whiskey. You're having a bit of a laugh on Twitter. So you're you're suffering a bit. He's in fucking hell, at least for that hour. Yeah, the spotlight's on him in yeah. twisting in the wind. That's fair. Well, anyway. All right. But so basically, I agree. He, you know, he'll be in a week's time. Him and Pochettino will be in a restaurant. <laughs> having a fucking laugh, getting past it, and uh, buying $2,000 bottle of wines just because they can. Is Pochettino not taking Arsenal training that day? We'll get to that in a moment. He um, won't be, no. Tim, let's talk mm. Freddie for a minute, and let's talk players. So mm. I'm curious to get your take on a few things. How long you think Freddie will be in charge? What impact he mm. can make immediately? And are there specific players that you think stand a chance to look very different right away under Freddie's leadership? 
Yeah, sure. So I don't think he'll be in the role that long. I think Arsenal will want to get on with it, um, with the hiring. As far as I understand they're it... They're talking very publicly about a long list of managers, which doesn't yeah. help if you want your interim manager to settle in with the squad, can I say? Yeah, and you know, Freddie's tweet today was something like along the lines of however long you know I'm doing this. So he's clearly been told you're not doing this for long. I... I I also think that there's some kind of stipulation because he doesn't have his full coaching badges yet. So I think there's a stipulation that he can only do it for three months. I'm not sure how rigidly that's enforced, but um, so, so, so I, I think he'll be doing it for a short time. I think the appointment will be made within the fortnight. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was made in a week, depending on um, whether they can get who they want and whether they can tempt people away, whether the person they're going to get is already at a club, whether he's not blah, blah, blah. But I, I think the wheels will move on this quite quickly and he'll get two or three games. Maybe as for who, um, who the winners, well, let, let's just say the winners um, from this, that the clearest winners are the young players because they already have a relationship with the coach. Um, and in fact, in some respects, things won't change for them, really. It's just that the guy that was giving them the attention is now the main guy. Um, and actually, some of those young players, I think, understandably, have started to suffer a little bit because they're playing in an underperforming team that doesn't know what it's doing. Um, I th- I think that, you know, obviously, we've got no idea really how good a coach Freddie is. I said this a few weeks ago. I think there are some really quick wins here. Um, play Especially that the next four. three. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Play that front four together. Um, and, you know, if you're Freddie, you've got nothing to lose here, really. You're, you're only going to be in charge for a few games. Play Ozil, Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang. You know, we're playing Norwich, Brighton and West Ham and then standard Liège. Just play them together, get them comfortable together. You know, so Pepe could be a big winner here because for some reason I cannot for the life of me understand. And this is one of the things that actually makes me question Unai Emery's intelligence, which sounds harsh. But, you know, I said on the last pod, like bad managers just manage in the same way, no matter what, no matter the tools they're given. And one of the things I just cannot get my head around is why he decided to try and make things so difficult for Nicola Pepe, why he decided to try and make an enemy of him when I think he was playing quite well, clearly really talented, just needs like a bit of a run and to get used to the team. And instead he decided to make that harder for Pepe and to start singling him out and try to create this friction, which is just stupid. I just don't understand why he was doing that. Um, So Pepe, big winner, Willock, possibly like Reese Nelson as well. I understand though he's been injured. Um, maybe even someone like Ainsley Maitland-Niles gets gets brought in from the cold. Um, Lucas Torreira, you know, play him in his position. Um, maybe even this can help. Um, whether you see it as helping or not, this can help with the Xhaka situation a bit because maybe a, a part of that problem has gone. He's faced the music now and. In, in a sense, if you want to do that, it was quite a clever game to reintroduce him because there was almost nobody there, um, which, you know, so they, they've kind of negotiated that hurdle if they want to get Xhaka back in the team. And I also think changing the manager just changes things a little bit and it possibly takes the needle out of that situation. So whether Xhaka sees himself as a winner because maybe he just plain doesn't want to play for Arsenal anymore, whether the fans see it as a win, don't know but i think that's something where a little bit of the fog has cleared so i i i see 
those players really as as the big the big winners and and maybe even a Bamiang as well because as much as he's been playing he's been given the captaincy etc etc we've been creating absolutely soddle um for him and and i i just think the really obvious quick win for freddie lundberg is to just let this team express itself a little bit and i think that on its own would give us a fairly significant dead cat bounce and if we you know if those players are happy and we're creating chances for Aubameyang, we've got an excellent chance of winning the next four games, no problem. What little has been written about <clears throat> or said about the kind of football Jumberg prefers as a coach is that he likes to play front-footed, pressing, high-pressure football. And, like, that's fine. That'll do. You know what I mean? I, I don't know yeah, if it'll be yeah. winning football right away. I don't know if it'll solve our defensive problems. The worst-case scenario would be if Freddie looks at it and says the problem with Emery is the defense, and i got to focus on the defense. Because it was focusing on that that got us into this mess. I don't suspect he will be of that mindset. And if it is just more front-footed, more pressing, great. I feel a little bad that he's been left in Aubameyang, who's on pace to play like 4,000 minutes and just played 90 on Thursday. But I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, you know, the player who could be in for maybe a downturn is Ganduzi. I wonder if... You know, Ganduzi was so symbolic of Emery's era that as good as he is and as important as he is, Freddie might say, I'm going to go Shaka Torreira. I mean, it's possible. This is all pure speculation. Now, Freddie was the, the youth team coach, so he might prefer to go younger. Um, but I think you're right. Drop Torreira in at DM. Play Pepe on the wing further up. Get the get the forwards closer together and higher up the pitch. Push everybody up a little bit. And, and that's easy. And Hughes, Tierney, and Bellerin... I mean, I, I, it's astonishing to me that Emery, for all this time, the one thing we had as exculpatory evidence for him is he needs the two great fullbacks in there, and then his football will be good. And we play South freaking Hampton at the weekend at home, and Bellerin's average touch position was 10 yards inside his own half. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, and I think Freddie can, can pretty much fix that instantly. Clive, um, if you were going to whisper in Freddie's ear and say you don't have the job long, but you can get our season back on track what would be a couple quick things you would like to say to him to see him do right away to arrest the slide and, and get things moving in the right direction? Okay, well, firstly, I'd add Reese Nelson to that list of players that might get some wins. I think he's a player that he would have he would know a little bit about. And we may see uh, over starter games or late in games just to keep that energy in wide spaces, which, I, again, I don't understand if he's been injured or why he's not been around so that'd be one more so you know i'm going to say what we need to do we need to play a bit more arsenal football and that is control the game but to control the game you have to control the right space i felt one of the things that emory's teams have done is play with the ball in the wrong areas for far too long encouraging people onto them encouraging us closer to our our goal without the ability, without the Santi Cazorlas, etc., to press out, get out of the press and play through people. We're actually playing in areas where people want us to be without the technical ability to get out of those areas. Force us to go long to strikers who don't want it to go long. So you need to be aggressive, push up, press up. And so to see David Luiz go off with a, a rib injury, I wasn't crying myself to sleep, that's for sure, because although I think he's, um, it's difficult to judge players per se, but watching him jog about and then send out messages to Major saying we let you down, I don't find that very tasteful. Um, watching him lose concentration, play deep, play for himself, force us all the way back, not push us forward, not show leadership, not what I want. One of the big things that's happened to this team is we've lost 
a defensive leader in Koscielny and we've replaced him with, with a defender who plays for himself in Louise. Again, I don't want to judge players, but if I'm the coach, I'm saying push up, push up, push up, have confidence, press the ball, put pressure on the ball, which is going to mean the service fall is going to be not so great, which means you can be ready to intercept. Be brave, be brave. That's just that would be the message I would say. Mm. We do have talent in, in in the in the top end that we all know. I agree what Tim said about Pepe. He's just flickering there, isn't he? Just flickering. He's really close. I won't say really close, but we can all see there's something there. And this was not the person to bring it out of him. In fact, he went the other way. So let's see a bit more of him. Let's give him the comfort to which to develop because I think he could really lift people. I really do think he can lift people. The way he plays the game is exactly is he's someone that puts will cover those red seats up for definite if we see more of him. So yeah, that's what I would do. Just push up, just push up, reduce the space. We are not very fast. We are not very athletic, but we're not bad on technically in the higher end of the pitch. So let's keep the ball up there because that's where our talent is, isn't it? To be honest, you don't need me to tell you that, do you? Almost every other listener could actually tell you that same thing, because it's obvious we're If that's true, get balanced. in touch. Uh, you can be on the next pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you know, to be honest, we, we know we're unbalanced. We know we're weak in the back end, we're, and we know we're stronger at the top end. We've got a mishmash in centre mid. Guendouzi's running out of gas. We can see that. And we need to get the, our talent on the pitch to give us a little bit of hope. Don't you dare say a negative word about my beautiful, uh, perm- permed young man. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's done a lot, hasn't he? He's come on sub. I wonder what his appearance is. He's, he seems to have... I think he's second behind only or... Aubameyang in minutes other than, obviously, Leno. Yeah, it's, yeah. A lot for, it's a lot for him. And he's starting to look leggy. But at the moment, we don't know where the legs are. And don't worry about Aubameyang being tired for Sunday because, you know, he did, he did okay last night. He wasn't like he was he was killing himself, let's be honest. Right? So not, none of them were. They should all be no. fresh as So first you go after Ganduzi and now you're going after Aubameyang? This will not no, stand. <laughs> no, honestly, I think you need people, one thing I will say is not so easy at spot is you need to see when players quit, but quit nicely. You know, mm-hmm. they do the bits they need to do, but the classic was their second goal. I think we had seven people around it and none, none of them None of them went to ground to put the block in. The ball ends up in our net. There was all there, but didn't quite do what you need to do when you really, really care. Mm. Right? So that's the difference between quitting and really quitting. Don't embarrass yourself to just enough that you can't be highlighted. But really, we don't really want this guy around, and this is the moment to get rid of him. Yeah. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 1,170 Premier League minutes. Matteo Ganduzi, 1,143 Premier League minutes in the Europa Yikes. League. It's uh, let's stack a little bit more on that. I mean, it's not as much. Um, Aubameyang another 191 minutes, and Ginduzi another 156 minutes. So they're both well over 300 minutes. That math is probably wrong, but just pretend it's right. Um, we're not going to take a break. By the way, we're not going to throw an advertisement in here. So we're just going to do one live. I just want to remind you. You can get one of us to sing this holiday. Come, look, sign up for The Athletic. Just do it, and then you can ignore me forever. Think of what that will be, the burden that it will lift off your shoulders to never have to eat. You'll just be able to be like, oh, 
you know what? Now that I've signed up for it, I can ignore him, and, and he, he, his words have no power over me. But until that time, I'm going to remind you, theathletic.com forward slash Clive P-A-F-C, forward slash Yankee Gunner, forward slash Stilberto, or forward slash Paul AFC, because they won't do posing in my pants. And you can get one of us to sing for the holidays, and we're going to give away a free year of The Athletic, a free year of our Patreon and an Arsenal shirt, all in celebration of our fifth birthday, which is today, and we got the present we wanted, which is Unai Emery's gone. Uh, uh, Freddie is in. So, Paul, let, let's talk Raul just real quick. Um, mm. as, as a famous man once said, Don Raul, my absolute ball bag, is, uh, is Tim's tweet from a few <laughs> weeks ago. And I got to give it up to the mailbag, uh, the, the, the patron in Discord. I'm not going to be able to find it right now, so I'm sorry for not crediting you. They said the name of our last mailbag episode absolutely should have been Don Raul, my absolute mailbag. which <laughs> would have been so good, and I missed it. Uh, Paul... Where do you come down on whether this is cause for reassurance about Raul or, my God, he let this go on way too long, and now the rumors are he's using Kia Jarabshian and Jorge Mendez, most notably Jorge Mendez, to help pick the next uh, manager. Are you in the camp of, oh, God, we're run by super agents, this guy might be a fraud? Or are you in the camp of, I'm still willing to give him a shot? Uh, well, I think there's a cur- third camp where... Uh- I can't believe Arsenal is going to hand itself over to the super agents. It's just not part of the club's DNA. But but I could see circumstances where we're just more open to them and we will deal with them, but not like a Wolves, not like a whatever. So I'm not so much worried about that, but I am extremely concerned on the Don Raul thing. Um, your, this, your absolute ball bag. Yeah, this seems to be a situation largely of his own making. I mean, when the world can see six weeks ago where we're at and we seem to have been unprepared and unready and unwilling to move on it. And I think it's largely because we didn't have a plan B. Um, And it seems like we're now trawling around, uh, you know, Miguel Delaney reporting that we seriously were talking to Mourinho a couple of weeks ago. And whatever you think about Miguel, and I know people think stuff about Miguel, uh, he's really good on his bloody sources. So that means we were seriously reaching out to Mourinho a couple of weeks ago. What the fuck does that mean? Um, it means all sorts of things to me, which which means he's a- not my the, Any of them good? <laughs> no. Uh, it, it means his idea, uh, you know, when... Wh- there's like 10 or 12 names out there in terms of coaches and they're all over the place that we're talking to while Freddie's the interim manager. I think maybe Freddie's just not up to it and he and they know he's not ready yet uh, and which is a reasonable position. Maybe they've they've had a heart to heart and Freddie says, listen, I'll do it for a few weeks, but I'm not going to be the sacrificial lamb. And, and they can see that. So. So they do need a manager. So I think Tim might be onto something that this might be just a, a few weeks. It makes more sense that that's the case. To be talking about all these managers uh, fairly cleanly out there and not, not putting the kibosh on it means it's a process that's kicked off. And we're talking about all these guys and they're all over the place in terms. But are, but are they really all that different? There's a lot of safe choices, either pragmatic slash somewhat defensive or or well-established names, which would go with the uh, Raul uh, forcing Emery into the picture because he was scared of taking the brave Arteta choice last year. I mean, I think it's become clearer and clearer that em- 
Emery was Raul's choice and that he wanted to hold on to him well past his sell-by date because, again, he's kind of – he's about protection. He's not about ambition. He doesn't seem to be about a vision at the moment. He doesn't seem to be about taking us on to a better place. And when you look through the list, I think there's some window dressing of more interesting coaches. But really, there's a lot of – uh, safe choices in one form or other and the more interesting ones like Pochettino or maybe Rogers, you know, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo makes sense from uh, from the profile they got for Emery. Allegri is <laughs> very pragmatic. That was the nicest possible way to say we can stay shit. <laughs> he fits the uh, profile we got from Emery. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I think he, like, I could project onto him that he's a lot better, but it's the same shit just better coach who who's kind of proved something in this league um so it it's it's troubling because they don't have a profile they're not going after 10 nagelsmans they're going out you there know, are they 10 nagelsmans why can we can't uh, even get yeah, yeah. fucking yeah. one of them huge family huge <laughs> family unfortunately nine of them are shit um but he and he's the only good one so yeah, he. It seems like we're all over the place. There's, I think, m- my f- fear is actually there is actually a pattern for most of them, and mm-hmm. it's a bit safe. Um, and so, uh, personally, sign me up for Freddie till the end of the year if he'll take the job. Well, till the end and, of the season. And the supporters will be on board. Yep. Wow. Okay. Um. That that feels. I, 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 unless they are, they're all looking at each other across the table and saying. That this won't hold water, and Freddie knows it, and they know it. But f- fuck it, I don't know what the the supporters. I think by and large will get behind it, and I don't think the guy. There's no way the guy we should have, whoever that is, is ready now, or available yeah. now. We'll, well just be, I, we we'll be getting in a manager that we have to pay serious money for, and we're stuck with for another three years unless we sack him early, or or he hits it out of the park. So. Uh, I which, don't. I which don't is want the it. ideal situation. By the way, you want to either sack them earlier or have them hit it out of the park. I think. I think the yeah. worst case scenario is a competent, mediocre manager who does okay because you can yep. convince yeah. yourself to stick with that for a long time. Tim, I'd like to do something with you if that's okay. Go for it. Is, is the worst opening to any invitation you've ever <laughs> been given, um, and, and then I'll let you expand, obviously. But I, I want to just kind of rapid fire through this. So uh, we'll do one out of five. One being. <clears throat> Oh, great, it's another Unai Emery. Five being, uh, oh, great, it's Arsene Wenger in his pomp. Okay? Um, yeah. Nuno. A lot of threes about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Nuno. Uh, one and a half for me. Yeah, I, I got to say, I feel the same way. Uh, Nagelsmann feels pointless. We're not getting Nagelsmann, right? We all agree on that? No. Okay, no. so let's skip nope. to... Let's skip Honig, to... Honig Stein said no. Okay, I'm not even yeah. going to ask you, because I think we'd all agree he's a five, but he's not happening. Um, Pochettino. Uh, that I'd put that in the fours, maybe even four and a half. Allegri. Uh, three. Uh, Ancelotti. Three and a half, four. Arteta. I'm. I think I'm. I put myself three and a half. I'm like. I'm fairly neutral on it, but I. Th- so. Here's how I'll expand on this. Right. Um. The reason I gave Nuno such a low one is because he basically failed at Porto and Valencia, who I think are slightly more comparable clubs. And I think the style of football he plays at Wolves, and maybe do something completely different at Arsenal, but the style of football at Wolves is just not suited to the players that we have. The thing is, what this exposes, right, is there's no outstanding 
candidate, right, that everyone would agree with. There are some people who come down harder on Arteta, some on Ancelotti. I probably come down harder on Ancelotti than a lot of people, and that's fine. I understand why that wouldn't excite people. I, I um, had two more to, to have you rate. Do you want to just do them real quick? Yeah, go for it. Rafa Benitez? I go... Right, so if it was an interim end of till the end of the season appointment, I would absolutely take that four, four and a half. Longer than that, I'm probably on the three, two and a half scale. Okay, last one, and then I won't interrupt you again. Sorry about that. Uh, mm. Ten Hag. Oh, Ten Hag, definitely. Um, I definitely that would be on the fours, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, now Brandon Rogers. Oh well, yeah, that, yeah, well, was, Brendan. Was, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, Rogers. Well, so again, I'd probably be about three there. I'm, I'm fairly neutral on that. You expand and, and now. I apologize for yeah, roping, no, roping you into this exercise. <laughs> like, like, because everyone I think will have like a slight favorite out of all of those, but I don't think anyone would passionately advocate for any one of those and and what it kind of, and so the reason i think i'm i'm slightly on the the slightly more pro arteta um you know like slightly over the neutral side is i think the reality is that the next really really good arsenal manager is going to have to be a left field appointment and it's going to have to be a risk and actually if you look in our history that's what's happened right herbert chapman was all right, he'd won three league titles in a row, but it was actually a really surprise appointment. And it was one that Arsenal broke the bank to get because they had no history, had never won a trophy. And they took the the guy who just won three league titles. Wenger, massively left field. Bertie Mee was the club physio who never managed, never coached, and he never coached again afterwards. Like unbelievably left field. So I think the reality is with the market is just there aren't that many good managers. So even Bayern can't get one. Real Madrid have had to go back to Zidane because they've been fucking around trying to get one. Barca can't get one. I think Juventus re- appointed uh, Sari fairly reluctantly. And Spurs have jumped into Bedmond Mourinho. And I, I think they were probably reluctant to do that. But they just went, we've got to cut the call with Pochettino. There's not really much else out there fuck it let's do it and so Arsenal have got some choices here I you know I I would I'd be fine like if if you tell me tomorrow they've appointed Brendan Rodgers I'd go okay let's see how this goes I understand that like I I completely understand that probably worth a gamble if you tell me Ancelotti I'd be happy I like Ancelotti it would be fairly safe and unimaginative I think Ancelotti could get us back into the top four and therefore good appointment i don't realistically think at this stage he would take us much further but if if we want the absolute like we want the guy the brilliant guy the truth is we're gonna have to take a gamble somewhere and and that's and i and i'm not convinced necessarily that arteta's that guy necessarily but i think arsenal's next like absolute like symbolic manager that embodies the club is just going to have to be someone that is either a massive risk or a complete unknown quantity and actually Arteta's both of those things so I, I I'd have sympathy with pretty much any way that Arsenal go but not like Nuno because I, I you know I just don't think it's a good fit personally but a lot of the other ones you mentioned I could get on board with pretty much all of them but I don't think I'd be massively excited about any of them. I'd be excited about Arteta because it's unknown. I'd be quite excited about Ancelotti because I quite like him. Other than that, 
I think I think it's all a little bit much of a muchness and we might even go through two or three managers before we get the one that we really, really want or is a real success. Yeah, and look, Clive, I'll let you have a huge fair whack at this, so I, I apologize, but I just want to kind of get my, my philosophy on this out there because, Tim, I think you, you lead me into a way of thinking about this that I think is really important. First of all, we don't want a manager who four years in we're still wondering if he's the right guy. You know, where we're, well, we finished fifth. You know, we, you know, we got to the semifinal of the Europa League. You know, we, we were almost fourth, and it's, it's getting better. Like, you want him to suck, or you want him to be great as quickly as possible. One full season should be enough time to determine if the project has had the, rest, the, the right direction. Into the second season, you should know. This is not a wait three years kind of business anymore. So I think you've got two issues you have to look at. One is type of football. Are you okay with any type of football as long as it's winning football? Maybe the answer is yes, maybe the answer is no. That would be an issue that would come up with someone like Allegri, where you say, I think he can provide winning football, but I'm not sure it's the type of football that we want at our club. I'm not saying that's the case, I'm just saying that's a consideration. But here's the the crux of my take. The range of outcomes thing. I would like to go for a manager with a very high ceiling. Some of them may have a very low floor. I think what we tried to do with Emery was pick a guy that we knew didn't have a particularly high ceiling, but we felt he had a relatively high floor, if you follow what I'm saying. That the band of outcomes would be narrow. Now, it turned out his floor was much lower than any of us could have thought of. I think a Nuno is, again, that safe, high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. Arteta is the classic example of high ceiling, very low floor. Arteta could fucking suck at managing. He could just be terrible. Like, like we could be nearing a relegation battle. But he could have some of that pep stardust and he could win us a league. I think our club is the kind that, you know, if you're Manchester City, you just need a manager to get you to par. What you don't want is a manager who gets you below par. If you're Arsenal, if you're Liverpool, I think you need a manager who can get you, I'm going to say above par, but obviously not what I mean. Needs to get you better than your average outcome. Needs to make you better than the sum of your parts. I don't see Nuno being a guy that elevates us. I don't know that I necessarily see Ancelotti elevating us. Allegri is definitely a fantastic... The ceiling with Ancelotti is winning a Champions League. He's great. Arteta could have that ceiling. He could have a lower floor. We don't know. So, Clive, what is the right philosophy on finding the next guy, and how would you go about it? Uh, All you have to do is is have a little think about... I try to never do that one thing, so can you give me another (laughs) approach? Can you have a little think about what you're trying to fix? So, for me... There are so many things wrong in the club that we're not you know, that we've got real grave concerns about. So, if you look at the individuals as a person, what, what am I looking for in a, in a new manager? I'm definitely looking for depth of person. I'm definitely, you know, I, I realise now that I, I you know, I've always realised I've grown up with a with a manager that was so deep as an individual could talk on any single subject to to end up with a manager that can't communicate, has no depth, have no depth to manage a dressing room and let alone the fans. I don't think we can take that again. We need that level of communication and bond. Engagement of a manager is the number one skill. How being a coach, honestly, guys, coaching tactics, there are kids coming out of college that understand them really, really well. It's how you message those tactics, how you get people to believe in you, how you inspire people. That is the key thing. Engagement, how you make people feel. When you, I also feel that you know one of the things that we are incredibly bad at, and I, I'm going to do a massive Twitter thread about this, is recruitment. 
So the new manager for me must have a strong view on what a good player is. And that view must link to good player that links to how I want to play. I feel that we have a set of players which are very difficult to impart a philosophy on and whatever philosophy Emery had, it certainly didn't suit this group of players that we have today. So I think that's a key issue. And so I sway between the the Arteta type or the Allegri, Pochettino, um, Angelotti type. But this is where I fall on it. Right now, we have a concern about our leadership. We have a concern about the power vacuum that's been left in our club. We have a concern about Raul's ability. Or, you know, has he got any ability? The people in the club are silent. Edu, not seen it, mate. Lovely suit, not seen a thing. Not, I am not confident as I was previously about the people behind the club. So how do I mitigate that risk? I mitigate that risk by having somebody come into the club that says, I know as much as you, this is what I want. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to give me funds. I'm going to challenge you to give, let me have the right support staff around me. I'm going to challenge your structure because I think we need somebody good in the club. I don't think this is a time for a high risk position because what are, what are we, where are we sending this new coach to? We're sending him to a club that has got multiple, multiple leadership issues. How we recruit, how we scout, how we use analysis, how we use agents potentially around the corner. Now, don't worry about Nuno. It's not Nuno coming. It's who comes with him. It's the agents that come with him that could jump into the power vacuum in the club and take this club to a place that none of us will recognise. All right? So... We have, a, we have a window where we are incredibly vulnerable. I do not, I cannot stress enough how important this next decision is. Because as a club, we have been drifting for so long, relying on one person who the board has been hiding behind. They've all been exposed. And what do we see? Mm. A load of crap. So we can't afford to sit here and say, I want this guy, this guy. Rubbish. We need somebody. We need the biggest manager out there available, in my mm. opinion to come in, rebuild the club from a youth perspective, but also demand of the club. We need someone that demands because we have absent ownership. We have absent ownership. We have Raul that's jumped into that vacuum. And so we need someone to pull him about a bit that he actually fears that can drive this club forward. And so I think it's a very important decision. And I, I generally, for me, at what's available, Sometimes the most obvious one is right in front of you. The one with the most credibility, the one with the, the depth of person, the one with somebody, the one that we all know. I know he managed Spurs, but mm. that's that's mm. the guy. Yes. That's the guy in yes. world football that's available, that's sitting yes. there. And sometimes it's just, it's just simple, right? We turn away from the obvious because it's just so obvious. Yes, I like. I, I would love Arteta to be what I think he is. But then I read the time at City where he was when when Pep was on the sideline and Arteta looked like a scared rabbit on the bench. And I think, oh God, do you know what I mean? I, I, can we afford to have that? You know. So, um, so yeah, for me, it's Poch is the best one out there that's available with the track record and the credibility, the media savvy, the youth development that he would demand. From, he would not come. 
if he could not get what he needed from the, the leadership, given what's happened with Daniel Levy. So if Potts landed, I would be happy. Apart from that, I would breathe and go, well, Ancelotti or could do the same thing. I only choose him over Allegri just because I know he can communicate and he can inspire people and he was loved by the players at Chelsea. So that's the direction I would take. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Pochettino thing because at this point it should be about the banter. What else do we have? Just make it about the banter. For fuck's sake, Pochettino's Arsenal facing Mourinho's Spurs? Fucking hell, man. That's like Mount Vesuvius of banter. It's going to be amazing. Um, look, I, I thought this point was made excellently on the Arscast, which is just like this podcast if it were better. Um, so, you know, players come and go. We get a player. He doesn't work out. He moves on. We get another player. Yeah, sometimes we get emotional about it, but mostly we deal with it. We've never had that with managers because the last manager felt like a father to half of the, half of the fans because of the age and the time he came in, the length of time he was there. Unai Emery is not your dad. He's not my dad. He's nobody's dad. I mean, he may be somebody's dad. He's not any of our dad. The point is, we let Alex Awobi go this summer, and there was a collective shrug about it because we got a shiny new Pepe. Alex Awobi's a kid who grew up at Arsenal. Alex Awobi's an academy kid, a kid who was important to our team. And off you go. You're not going to make it. You're not, you're not the level we need. We're getting another guy. Same thing should be true of coaches now. I mean, it's harsh, but it's, it's what it is. So if you did hire Arteta, and he isn't going to hit the ceiling, and he is going to hit the floor, then you let the bodies hit the floor, as the saying goes. And away he goes, and you get the next guy. Because it's you can, all about the prenup. It's all about the – yeah, exactly. Um, I in mean, the sense that we can't financially handcuff us, ourselves to anybody, and that's one of the reasons I'd be against an Allegri or whatever. Um, there's no way he comes here without making sure it's an arm and a leg to get him out. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, I think the point is – we can all look forward to discussing different stuff now. And and that will be fun. And Unai Emery got his chance. It didn't work. And we moved him on. And that's what a big club does. We probably should have done it sooner. We can always have that debate about when it should have happened. I think clearly when everybody is 100% certain he needs to go. I mean, it is really astonishing that we haven't won a football game since 2013. Did you know that? That's the last football game we won. And we stuck with this guy. So that's that's crazy. And that those are stats, by the way. We do a lot of advanced analytics here. You don't don't have to check it. We haven't won a football game since 2013. So onward and upward. Um, the good news is because there was a draw in the other Europa League fixture um, between Standard and Vitoria, we're basically through no matter what. I think we just can't lose 5-0 or worse at Standard, which under Emery I'm not saying was out of the frame, but I think it's pretty much done now. So we should be good. And that means we get in the knockout rounds. Because, you know, look, even if I think the league is gone, you guys, I mean, the Europa League, it's crazy that they give a Champions League place for that competition. But they do, and we're in it, and it is a chance. I mean, we're going to make the semifinal at a minimum. So, you know, we're going to be two games away from a Champions League. I mean, it, I hope we get a manager who's really skilled at the Europa we should get a, League. We should get a Europa League specialist. <laughs> That's what I would do. Is Unai Emery available? Anyway, uh, uh, pause on Twitter. Pause on my pants. Thanks, pause. Woo-hoo. Uh Tim's on Twitter, Stilberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Yeah, just a short one today to celebrate what was uh, a monumental moment in the club, but we will have more, a lot more, so much more on this. If you want a retrospective on the Emory era, his worst games, his worst decisions, his worst moves, his worst hairstyles, uh, we have that over on Patreon with me and Scott. If you want um, uh, more... Uh, of this kind of content, we will have another pod after the Norwich game, which will be so interesting. I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. 
and uh, it is fun. So happy birthday to us. I hope you've enjoyed all of or at least some of the five years that we've been around doing this. And here's to at least five more weeks of doing it. Um, and again, uh, we do love you. We, we just so appreciate you being here with us through all these interesting times we live in. And I can go back to saying it because last time I said Frankfurt 10, Arsenal nil. And you know what? You can say I jinxed it, but I, I, got, I got the manager sacked. <laughs> so <laughs> hooray, good for me. Uh, in any event, we love you. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Norwich nil. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.